Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. I'm Dacia Coffee. As a chief marketing officer, speaker, author, copywriter, and three-time entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about influence and impact in the business world. So I want to share with you what I've learned about how to be heard, be seen, and be successful, and introduce you to the people I've met along the way who learned how to unlock their potential. Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. Today, you are going to meet Dave Seligson. He is the Senior Vice President of Strategic Solutions at Blue Water Learning. Now, this is a company that uses technology to develop their people and honor their work. One of the things I want you to pay close attention to about Dave is his ability to find these interesting seeds of opportunity and turn them into something exciting for his clients, but also for his own personal journey. And you are going to be very surprised about how he took his background as a principal, yes, you guys, at a school system with kids and turned it into this bold, exciting corporate career. Let's jump in. Dave Seligson, we are so excited to welcome you to Corporate Caffeine. Thanks for being here today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So how's your Monday going? Recording on a Monday, that was brave. Um, it's not just a Monday, but it's the Monday of moving our offices, the Monday of moving our house. Um, oh. So this is this is quite the busy week. Um, oh I'm looking this way because my beautiful wife's over there. And um, yeah, so uh, it's it's quite a Monday. So it's good. It's rainy. It's Texas. Yeah, it's good. Do, know. You know, you're not getting paid for this. You gave up all those <laughs> things to be here. That is extreme generosity yeah. on both of y'all's parts. We may go out to dinner after. A this. promise is a promise. I, okay. yeah, I left my wallet at home. Just saying it's yeah. not here. <laughs> well, we have a cousin that's known for that all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I won't want to say his name. His no, for that, he's yeah. not listening. But it would be hilarious. Yeah. Everybody in our family. I don't know if he knows. owns a wallet, but uh, that's yet to be. <laughs> I, I wouldn't come but she promised me the hood of a truck so Ooh, definitely no. yeah. <laughs> i saw an old s10 that i picked one up it's in the garage it's not that one <laughs> exactly we're gonna have to tell that story online sometime yeah. but speaking of things like that we have to tackle before we dive into the conversation of why i wanted you we gotta talk about the beard everybody <laughs> everybody's gonna ask because you even pointed out every time you post on linkedin or any other social media doesn't matter what you're talking about. It's all about the beard. It's all about it. Um, I will claim and, and honestly state that it happened before the, the whole pandemic. So it was grown, it was long, and it wasn't a result of. Uh, I, I set a trend. That's right. Uh, and then everybody kind of followed through. Uh, and <laughs> again, my wife, my trend. wife's going, it's all because, <laughs> and she's not wrong. Um, I have a rarity uh, in a beautiful wife who loves beards. Yes. Um, I've never, it's probably about as long as it's been period right now. Um, my goal is to get it long enough so when the wind blows, I want it to flop up in front of my face. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's that's kind of the goal, um, and 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 maybe. Maybe it'll grow so long I can swing it around. Oh, no. <laughs> Could have a whole new comb over. Are sure. you going to start entering contests? No, no, you know? no, no contests. Oh, I know, right? I think they have Those them now. Those things are contests. fascinating. They, my yeah. barber actually said that they do, and and he he has actually said, and I'm not really sure how to take this kind of a compliment or whatever, but he said, he, he says that I have a perfect beard and I should do that just the way it, it goes, whatever. I don't know what he says, but he, he does do that. And he actually takes care of another couple guys who he said 
mine's way better and they enter these contests i'm like i'm not i'm not i'm just hearing Something. like a bucket list yeah, I thing i mean my gosh maybe this is one that you just we, need enough to people check the put box it in on. his head it's not, it's not gonna happen <laughs> okay so have you always had a beard in your adulthood it doesn't sound um, like it i i had i used to have a tight goatee for probably the majority of of my adulthood because because one of the things you realize as a guy is when you have a beard you don't have to shave there um, so <laughs> So it's if you can cover the the hard part to shave, which is yeah. your chin and your face, you know, then you don't nick it. You know. Yeah. Um, and now, uh, now I mean, it's a piece of cake. So I got nothing up top to worry about. I don't have to shave. I, I might have to take note after this. We'll see if the scar, how the scar turns out. I had a oh, mountain bike accident a while back. It's character, man. It's all yeah, character. yeah. <laughs> but you might not be able to grow mustache. That's true. In I that may have space. half of one. I know. But when it gets long enough, it'll it'll over like it'll yeah. yeah, you'll be all right. Kyle has one of those beards that it gets bright red. So he's well, got that kind of strawberry blondish hair, but then his beard was red. And that, you had it for a couple years. It may have a little bit of gray in it now. <laughs> Just so, <maybe. laughs> yeah, it's been a few years. My, my hair was black, and then it actually does come down, and right about here, it, it turned red. Like So my facial hair was always red. Yes. Now, clearly, uh, red turned to white. Um, not an issue. It happens. Um, but... But yeah, <laughs> getting my wife's over there going because she's she's. she's like, I, I would say she's a strawberry blonde. Definitely yeah, gorgeous hair. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah. She should be on camera, not me. <laughs> Next time for sure. Different episode. I know. Okay, so back to why we invited you. Besides the fabulous beard, <laughs> um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background, what you do now, but. Take us back to, you know, where your career actually started. Sure. Um, I, I think it's probably important to know just for context that I'm from Philly um, because that will probably <laughs> help frame. Like, you don't need any more details. I'm so but, surprised but, you didn't it, bring your no, flag just, to hang behind well, Hold on. You. No, I no. didn't. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that will frame in probably a lot of the things I'm about to say. Um, I uh, actually um, wanted to be, you don't know this, but I wanted to be a sportscaster on TV um, uh, coming out of high school and into college. So Football. I went radio, TV, film. No, I mean, I, I just wanted to be a sportscaster, like cool. on the news. You know what I mean? Like on the on That'd the be news. neat. I know. Um, and... Uh, Anyway, ended up becoming a teacher instead. <laughs> a long story there, but um, you just wanted to do the announcements. N- no, no, I really wanted to be a sportscaster. Um, I-, I actually had a friend who applied with 417 other people for an entry level job that paid twelve thousand dollars a year, and he had to live in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and I just went uh, on a weekend in New York. First time I. I- took a trip to new york and i was like i don't want to do that like i don't want to live in manhattan <laughs> you turn like, yeah i don't do that yeah um you're, you're living with a lot of people and 12 grand a year in manhattan yeah oh yeah yeah you're not yeah. living by yourself no you're not um anyway so i was a teacher and a principal for 15 years so i, I taught for six um and i became uh, a principal at the age of t- the ripe old age of 28 years old wow um which was kind of crazy yeah um, in a place called fairfax county public schools in virginia um and virginia fairfax county is is probably not only one of the most high profile districts in virginia 
but probably the nation. I mean, it's it's in and around D.C. It's got I was going to say of, military. Yeah, military. I know. We have it's, a friend and a client that, that is up yeah, there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's big time. Office is out of there. There was no one within 15 years of me, like principal-wise. They were all way older. And I walked in, and I think they just thought, like, oh, look, cute teacher of the year or something. <laughs> exactly. And I sat down, and they were kind of shooting. Why are you staying on. here? What are you doing? So did you get the coach? Since you were thinking sports broadcaster, did you get into coaching? In my, my kids, I always coach my kids through, oh, yeah. through football and rugby and different things. I coach my kids, yeah. but no, not at the, not at the not school the level, school. Okay. not at the high school level. No. Um, so uh, I had in 2008, I had an opportunity to leave and start my own business. Um, so I did, um, and I started my own business after that. Um, that is kind of a cool story. I don't know how detailed you want. We to do want to well, yeah. get into. Let's go back. <laughs> Any time with a, um, a a job that's as consistent as a principal to take a leap and start your own business. Anyone who owns their own businesses before know. Oh, there's that nervous feeling. What am I getting into? All the securities out the window. Oh yeah, you just hear about mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that you get enough years. There's the right retirement package and summers off, or you know, I mean, significant amount of community respect right for what you do and you're like yeah no i'm out i mean okay yeah you've got to explain because most people do not just make that career change so so there were two things um that that impacted that um the 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 first was in virginia as a principal they had what they called was site-based leadership and that basically meant you were the ceo of your school you could do what you needed to do for your community cool. uh, if you wanted to go write a grant and have funds and, and do something different than the next school you could um, i was always at very needy schools um very uh like title one and and very diverse um and uh, when i got to texas it's very different um here if school a has anything different than school b the parents of school b sue the parents of school in the district has um, so so being a principal here was more about what not to do and it was more about sitting in meetings and learning about legal whatevers and not with the kids in the classroom and the family so that was that was one thing that made it a little easier to let go of well and knowing you that's a yeah. big thing because that is yeah. not how you think no that's around what I'm not allowed to do and playing it safe not so much yeah I didn't do well with that um, and and so when when I moved here from Virginia, we had a little townhouse, and and we bought it for 150. And three years later, two years later, excuse me, we sold it for 305. But somebody gave us 350 because they had this like escalating kind of clause thing that, like, well, if someone outbids me, I'm gonna up my bid and up to three. So yeah. all of a sudden we got, and then we moved here to Texas, and for 250, got a house, a big yeah. house, 3,000 on a on a golf course with a pool. And I was like, "Oh, real estate." Dave, I we're trying some. to keep that quiet. Yeah, and all the people from California. <laughs> it's not that me. way anymore. Like, oh, I get a house twice as big. <laughs> it's not that way anymore. Yeah, it's starting to catch it's up. Not. It's starting <laughs> to catch up. Um, so, so in in all that process, I was like, real estate. So, so I thought I had an idea. It's so good. Let me go buy some properties. I wanted to buy four. And you're still a principal. Still a principal. Okay, so this is like a side hustle. Side hustle, and I'm gonna. Um, but I don't know anything about real estate, so you have to understand that. I just so know about start being off a with four. If you don't know anything <laughs> well, I, about I have, it, I have four kids. I know, right? I got oh, four kids. oh, you look okay. So, yeah, so I thought I'll buy one for each. They graduate college. They can live in it. They can rent it for income. They can sell it and get a good start. That that was the plan. Gotcha. So I'm like, I don't know anything about real estate. So I went to these real estate conferences um, that people put on all the time. You yeah. hear them on the radio. 
And, um, and I met a guy, a good friend, um, still a good friend. His name was Alan Reno. And, and we were sitting in this conversation around, I don't know if you think about notes, like buying and selling notes. It, it's really like buying and selling debt for pennies on the dollar. Like it seemed like the most unethical yeah. ripoff thing I'd ever heard. And I just leaned over to this strange guy and said, this sounds ridiculous. Like I want any part of this. And he goes, come out here with me. So I went out there, and and lo and behold, he coached me to to form an LLC, raise private capital, and buy these properties based on a plan that I put together. Wow! And and the methodology that he'd been doing this for years, he'd never formalized. So the teacher in me said, I started to take what he did for me, and I started to put it into a curriculum, and we started to go and teach other people the same methodology. But now I had a deck and a workbook and curriculum. And, and like I was saying earlier, we got down That's on the radio cool. and, and we're helping people out of Houston on the radio. We did like these workshops. I remember doing one that the biggest one was at the Driscoll in uh, in, in um, Austin. Yeah. I mean, we were really teaching. And all of a sudden I had enough people that wanted my help for them to write a business plan, to raise private capital, to, to do this whole thing yes. that I didn't need to be, I didn't have to sustain my family. And so, you know, I I always struggled with this, this do I do the thing and fail or or do I not do the thing and regret? And, and I can't ever not, like, I can't have the regret piece. Agreed. I, I'll fail. Yeah. I, yep. I just, it's I not worth it in a heartbeat. Can't. You can yeah. always go backwards. And I never quote it, but there's that great quote by Teddy Roosevelt, and, and it's called The the Man in the Arena. And, and it's, like, by Daring Greatly, and better to better to be on the field bloodied and fail. And, I mean, yep. it's the worst paraphrase of a quote ever. Oh, but, but still. Um, but I love that. Yes. Uh, we, be the man in the arena. Yeah. Yes. We were married under five years had one child, just had twins, and within six months, I had an opportunity to move to South Texas from Georgia. And I go, you know what? What's the worst case scenario? I can always go back to what I was doing. Let's just try to make it happen. Live the American dream, you know, and just see. Yeah. And that's, I go, why not now? I was like, you always got time to catch back up if you do lose a little bit or a lot bit, however you look at that. But on the flip side of that coin, if you make it happen, you're going to go, I did it. You know, I, I, I did it. There's no regrets, like you said. And um, see where it goes from there, you know, an experience. It was, it, was, it was crazy. I mean, I went from being a principal at a school to having a corner office downtown Dallas at the Crescent on the seventh floor. I mean, balconies. You're and, like, uh, are yeah. they going to kick me out? I mean, what it am was I the doing coolest here? Thing. People How would just come here? <laughs> and, and it was like holding court. Like I felt like a king and probably <laughs> way too much pride and more than I needed. But um, and then um, so so. I, I got very involved in again and that and that got into some turnaround work, like helping people write business plans. Then other people would say, I can't figure out why I'm not attracting investors, what's why my business won't grow. So I started to do a little bit of, of what we call turnaround work, which is trying to understand what's not working in their business that's holding them back from reaching their objectives. Nice. Um, and so and then uh, and then we had the fun downturn, the economic downturn. So and fun. Yeah, that was joyful. Yeah. And so it just so happened <laughs> In the housing that when I bought those houses, the day I bought them, I put them up for sale for some ridiculous number that I never thought I would get. But that down the line, if I get that, I'll sell them. Well, right before everything burst, I actually got offers and accepted every house and got out of them all. And then Whoa. and then everything crashed. Two thousand nine. Mm. Oh my gosh, that was God protected. And, and it, it you really said, was. "Wow, okay, I'm going to put this on pause." 
and go back to it or you go, I'm getting out of it. This is too no, risky. No, like, like, I mean, it was like, it was like I bought it for, you know, 300000 and I immediately put it up for 550000 And then, t- you know, two months later, somebody was like, okay, 550000 I'll buy it. And I was like, like, I'm going to stick to the plan I put together. I'll take that. So I yeah. did that. Um, what, what that turned out to be was sort of divine providence because not just did I get out, but all of a sudden, if you can imagine being on the seventh floor of the Crescent and everybody wants you to help them with their business plan and start and grow a business. And then you had that huge recession and all of a sudden the clients dried up. And so I wasn't a principal. The schools weren't hiring. I had no way back. Right. I couldn't, I I never, I never lost all my clients, but like maybe one or two, but the rest of them, like I never, I didn't have enough. Yeah. And so we actually went through all of that because I was basically almost out of work for a year and a half. Um, and so mm. that money from the houses sustained yes. all the way up until it didn't again right. um, uh, a year and a half later. And and at that point, um, I happened to meet Chris Bond at an Apple store at the Willow Bend Mall here oh. in, in Plano. Oh, my gosh. Well, how did that conversation get started? I know. Okay, you just really bumped quick. elbows? So Chris Bond, CEO of Blue Water <laughs> Learning, which is where Dave is Lord, presently yeah. bringing maximum value. But, okay, so, yeah, you just, like, bump into a dude like, hey buddy watch what you're doing like what kind of it kind of no um so so um i tried to find a job in things that i wanted to do for about 10 months mm-hmm. and then as the money was getting shorter i got, tried to find any job that i could find i mean i was i was slinging sheetrock and i mean anything yeah. that i could find mm-hmm. anywhere um and it feels and awful to not work it, it was terrible it's an yeah. awful and feeling. somebody at church worked at the apple store and said, hey, we're hiring. Do you want to come work for the Apple store? And in my in like retail. And I was like, no, but okay, because <laughs> I have to do something. Yeah. So they hired me for their business team. And so that meant trying to put together Apple, Macintosh, you know, Mac solutions for businesses. And so you would move from store to store and have appointments and things. Well, they were really busy one day. Um, and, and Chris had walked in to buy his son, Bennett. You happen to know Bennett. Yes. Well. Um, uh, he bought one because Bennett had just graduated college and he told, he wanted to get him a, a new laptop for graduating and no one was helping him. Everybody was busy. And I was like, I'm, I'm bored. Like I'm going to go help this guy. I'm yeah. just standing here. So we just started talking and he asked me about my background and I asked him about his, um, he didn't really tell me much about, about his business. And, uh, and, and originally he wanted to hear more about this ministry that I had started and, and was involved with, with somebody else that, you know, named Chris Poirier. Yes. Um, so Chris Poirier and I started a ministry called Two Doors Ministries. And he oh my gosh, me, I did not know that. Yeah. He asked me all about it. Um, and, and then he said, would, would you be willing to go have coffee with me? Which is um, relevant because we're on corporate caffeine with DC. Yes, exactly. Ah. <laughs> so you see what I did there? That was pretty good. <laughs> um, and so uh, I did. And at the end, he said, have you ever heard of an LMS? This was literally 10 years ago now. Right. Have you ever heard of an LMS? And I said, uh, nope. Like, I don't know what those letters yeah. stand for. <laughs> Am I supposed to? And he, he said, learning management system. And I go... Sounds good to me. And he said, have you ever thought about a job where you can combine your education background with your business development background? And I said, I didn't know that there was such a job. And he asked to meet. And so my he asked uh, he, my first clients with him 
were BP, kind of a big client. Yeah. yeah. British Petroleum, um, Neiman Marcus downtown. Yeah. And Alliance State up here off the tollway. And and all I did was like, I was the best note taker that you ever saw because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but I could look and smile and talk like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> kind of like this right here. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's how that's how it started. It started as, you know, hey, you know, you want to just give me a couple hours a week. And so... I told Apple, like, hey, I'm going to not be available on Tuesdays or Thursdays. I got some other thing. And then that turned into full time and that turned into 10 years. That is amazing. Yeah. You wow. know what I love so much is like a small aspect of your, of your story is show up. You know, I mean, you weren't sitting around on the couch going, you know, thinking about what is whatever you know i mean you had a job you had a dream you started the dream right it transitioned to something else you know i mean you're following your curiosity and the things and so then you took the leap i mean doing a ministry i mean just you're out there participating and so then of course it seemed to attract other opportunities because you're not opportunities not gonna find you in your living room they don't um I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an introverted heart. I'm comfortable with people I know. Um, this is easy because I know you guys and whatnot, but, but I'm, I'm not the kind of person that is going to go to a party or whatever and, and find anyone I don't know and get to know them. But, but if I do get introduced, it's a little bit different. Um, and so, you know, for, for, for me, uh, I need an environment that helps. And so, you know, I, I guess the Apple store at that time helped um, being with people that I trust and value that share similar values that that helps. Um, and uh, and certainly having all of the the support and love and care from from my beautiful wife and family. I mean, those things, those things also help. Um, and there's a little bit of I guess I'll have to say it this way. There's a little bit of that pucker factor when you're doing something kind of like you don't know where this is going to go <laughs> yeah. that I like. I mean, I guess I like it and I'd rather have that than than not. But I mean, I, I will say it's a badge of honor. Like, you know, you have the, the Eagle Scouts with their, their Cub Scout badges or whatever. But, yes. um, you know, I served at the Apple store during Black Friday. Oh. <laughs> you check that you box. definitely did deserve that. a merit yeah, badge for that. any type of retail <laughs> on Black Friday. I start, oh. I start twitching a little oh bit. Oh my everything. gosh! Yeah, so never that. ask you to go shopping. Yeah, that. so no. you progress from taking notes with Blue Water, and now you know what. What are the stages? I just know your Cliff Notes as far as the yeah. company. Okay, just a little bit. Um, yeah. So what did that um, lead to? It's been an interesting, interesting journey. So when I started here, um, there was Chris and his brother uh, Michael, and mm-hmm. that's it. So I was third. Wow! Um, oh, now, wow. now we've got. Um, they had at one point in the in the like 2007 or something had a bunch of contractors, but but I was I was really third when I got in. No office. Um, we met at at a, at a church cafeteria, um, Prestonwood Church. Wow! Originally. Um, and um, over time, as we grew, and now we're, you know, now I think we have 140 people-ish. Yeah. Um, but um, the first thing I was asked to do was to help think, you know, because of my principal background and running the school, I ran our operations. So the first thing I did was I ran our operations. And then we continued to grow, and we actually needed a sales team. At that point, Chris and myself were selling. All three, all of us were delivering. We were all doing everything, um, and Chris asked me to start the very first sales team, and so I did that. 
Um, and uh, Chris Poirier was the first person that I brought on board back Good then. Good choice. Yeah, thank you. Good man. Um, and so so I did that. Um, and then after then, have been asked to, you know, I, I, I kind of joke now that I'm, I'm sort of the Mikey from Life Serial commercials. <laughs> Anybody who listens to your podcast, if they're like anywhere not old, they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Google it, I guess is all yeah. I can say. Um, but whenever Blue Water needs something new, they kind of ask me to do it. So over the years, I have um, been responsible for growing partnerships. I have um, uh, developed an entire division and methodology we call decision analytics for Blue Water um, that's been hugely successful. Um, I retook over and helped merge our North American and European sales teams into one global sales team in 2020. And then and then we had um, a little event called a pandemic that happened right after they asked me <laughs> right. to do that. Um, and, and now um, I'm developing a uh, sort of a partner methodology or approach it's to look amazing. at our partnerships as an investment model for our business. So global partnership model. So that's that's kind of all the different things. And, and always still delivering a little bit, always helping to manage accounts, always helping to grow and enable folks at Blue Water and still certainly always always trying to sell stuff. You know what I think is so fascinating about listening to, you know, the progression of your career, if you will, is that you always bring back or pull from significant parts of your history, but not intentionally. I mean, you show up committed to whatever problem, environment, scenario, thing you're tasked with achieving, but then all of it boils back up, right? Investment portfolio frameworks and, you know, education and bettering people and rubrics around, you know, how to help people learn. I mean, I just think it's so fascinating because you can almost hear the tapestry woven that's just the fingerprint that you put across things, but not, well, I was a principal, I'm a teacher, I do things in this teacher sort of a way. I mean, it's just, it's almost like I can hear your background and everything that's influenced. You know, every time I listen to you talk about the next project you're working on, it's so cool. It's systematic with an open canvas to creativity. Right? It's like a weird combination. It there. is. Seems like it to me anyway. No, I totally agree. Exactly. Systematic innovation, systematic creativity. Is that even possible? I think we should coin that phrase yeah. and trademark it. I like that. There you go. I, I know. Do you agree? Do you think? I actually do. I never really thought of it that way. I don't I don't know that I see it that way. Uh, I see my, I'm able to see myself in that way. Um, you know, I, my, my growth as a professional has mirrored, I think, a lot of my spiritual growth, my faith, and, and my walk with Christ. Um, and, and I think as, as I continue, like the lessons that you learn in each place, hopefully you carry them forward so that you don't repeat the things and yeah. you learn the things that you need to learn. And, and as we all kind of know, we learn through the mistakes probably more than we learn through the wins and losses. Sadly. You know, wins. Um, and so, so for me, I think, I think I do. I, I think I, I try to think how to create something new, but I, I definitely do leverage the, the, all the different pieces and try to figure out how they put them yeah. together. One of the analogies that I think of just in trying to describe how my own brain works um, is, is I think of it like one of those giant Jenga towers. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't, like I can't handle that. I, I need to knock it over, and then, and then look at Amen. each piece. Amen. You yeah. and me both. But, but I got to look at each piece, and if I understand the pieces, then I can put them back into the shape I need them to be in, right? Whatever that thing ends up being. But if I can't see the pieces or the inside or the back or whatever my perspective is, it's hard for me to own it and drive it and create something from it. So that's that's sort of what 
how things work for me. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned your faith walk. So talk about that because you have, you and I've had numerous conversations. I mean, like you have a deep passion and well for other people, which truly obviously comes from, you know, that commandment to love one another and but talk about that, you know, I mean, because that's significant river that's flown, that still flows through your life and your heart. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I came to knowledge of Christ and, and God later in life, um, in my 20s, early 20s. Um, and so, you know, and, and I don't know that I really became what I would consider a mature believer um, or someone who really understood um, things like, your, your sins are going to have consequences no matter what. Like you might get out of it today, but it's coming. So be ready for it. And, and other things like, um, like how to, how to pray, um, how to pray for yourself, for others, how to think about the needs of those around you, um, how to approach difficult times and, and have a, have a joy or a confidence through them. Um, and, and then the, the biggest catalyst for my entire walk uh, happened almost five years ago when I met, when I met my wife, Blanche. Um, and I, I, I've never met anyone who runs, I'm looking, she's over there, um, uh, who runs after Christ like she does. I mean, mm. literally, you know, she's, she's an Olympic track athlete when it comes to that. And, and she has helped me redefine and refine and think about my relationship in ways that you know words can't really say so so i think that 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 combining her passion and drive to be that close to christ and and my sort of curiosity and 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 loving the blank canvas as you said but but having but trying to fit my past on it somehow um uh, those things have really helped me uh helped me a lot they've just they've been rocket fuel yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Well, you know, one other thing too, it's interesting is, you know, you're talking about Blanche, like who you surround yourself with is a game changer, you know, and not yeah. because of a specific outcome, not because, oh, you know, like this person is a mover and shaker and I need to be in their circle, but because of the influences that when it's authentic, people bring into your life and change your heart. I mean, obviously in a marriage relationship, but I mean, in all relationships you have to be very thoughtful i don't want to say careful because that's definitely not the word i mean but thoughtful and intentional around who is in your life and what are you allowing to influence you and then vice versa you have responsibility to do it in return yeah i think um uh, i i read this I, i can't think of the author right now but um it always stuck with me and and he talked about servant leadership Mm -hmm. and and that that when you're a servant you put somebody else's needs above your own. So the first thing is you have to understand those needs. You have to be willing to ask and listen. And and then as you put those needs first, you're going to have to sometimes put your own desires and needs second. You're going to have to put them subservient to, to the other people's needs. Um, and in so doing, by putting someone else's needs first and putting your own secondary, like that's that's love. Yeah. It's it's not like it's not it's not the romantic you know love that you you know not the feels love yeah but it's it's loving in terms of how we're supposed to approach others yes so when I work with people at Blue Water clients or especially our team it's it's how can I be a servant leader and so it takes intention it takes choice and then and then it takes sacrifice. And when you do those things and you put those things first and then you trust God with the results of those things, that's a 
Big key. That's the big one. If I think that me doing those things is going to, that then I can go bring the result for that person, I've I've still lost it. Or vice versa. If you are worried and scared that by doing those things, you don't get what you wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, that you don't have an opportunity to trust God that he will bless you in the way that he knows in his wisdom is good for you. Well, then you can't be a true servant leader because you're thinking me, 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 even if it's couched behind, you know, a facade of other people. I think that is, you're so spot on. That's huge. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a, you know, I I heard, I think it was a youth pastor because it's kind of just a funny way to say it, but he said, you find out what someone's truly made of when life gives you the squeeze, what oozes out the back is what you're made out of, right? Like kind of, you know, squeezing some kind of tube of goo or something, right? Yeah. Um, And I, you know, I just think, uh, and and I've always said, uh, certainly to, to my wife and to others, like, when I'm at my best is is when the proverbial stuff hits the fan. Like yeah. that that's when I'm at my best. I was a principal when nine one one happened, oh, uh, and wow. we were in DC, and and my mm. school literally my school shook because we were only less than six miles from the Pentagon when the plane hit the Pentagon. Wow! And mm. we'd seen one tower. So like like you're in super mode because every yeah. parent, every everybody wants to know what's going on. Wow! Um, we also I don't know if any of you are your list, but like there was the DC sniper. Yeah, um, and, oh and our school, yeah. our school was in the middle of like the pattern of DC sniper stuff. And when I finally hit that kid at the middle school, oh my gosh, you want to talk about red alert? Oh. Um, and even at Blue Water and everywhere. So, so for me, when there's a struggle or a difficulty or whatever, that's for me. That's that's not something to run from. That's when that's when all of the gifts that I've been given jump in and trigger. My problem is when there's nothing to do and I'm lazy. That's my problem. Stop it. <laughs> but but I will, I mean, I could sit on the couch and do nothing and, and nothing begets nothing for me. Like I could, I could do nothing that. Nothing begets nothing for everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think I have a gift that way too for, um, but, but I, the, the more things that there are to do, I think than my, my, my head, uh, and I think it's really, you know, the God part of me, but I, I, I step it up a notch so that I can I can be more effective. You know that was interesting when you brought up on how you rely on God and your faith, even in the business world, and um, a lot of people, I don't think mix those very well. The business world and the personal life, because you basically you're giving up control and something that you're always used to controlling the mm. outcome of in business. Nice, yeah. And um, you know that's. You have to have that faith to give up that ego and that control, you know, yes. and trust that things will still be okay. Well, I mean, because so many things affect so many people, especially in leadership roles. You know, you're just not relying on you and what you bring home to your family. You're relying also on what they're bringing home, you know, their careers, their paths. And you're like, okay, if, if I don't trust in this and they don't do the right thing, it's all of us. It's not just one of us, you know? I, I mean, it's so interesting too, because we don't choose, always choose the people we work with, right? So yeah. the massive influence that you can have with these people that have been somewhat thrust together, you know, I mean, yes, there's a lot of talk about culture and obviously with a company like Blue Water, you guys are very values aligned and thoughtful about that. However, you know, I mean, 
people are still going to be people. Different walks of life. Everybody's going to have a good day and a bad day. Doesn't matter. You know, you're Christian. Doesn't matter. All of a sudden you have magic dust over you that makes you always kind, always easy to be around and always making good, healthy servant leadership, you know, decisions. But I think you're so right, Kyle, you know, thinking about being so intentional around bringing that into your work life. I mean, it's, I mean, it's inspiring. It's exciting about what's possible when you repaint the world like that. There's, there's a lot of things I don't have control over, but I can choose to, I can choose to love. I can choose to, I mean, those are choices that I can make every day that I can. And, <sighs> and, I, and I know that if I do that, I know God is faithful with it. It might not be today. It might not be something that mm. I even see. And that's mm. okay. I, I just have to be faithful in that. So, you know, for me, th- there are things that I can choose to do every day. And I don't know, I, I, I probably have yet to make it through a day where all those choices were done the right way. Um, but I try to make a couple of them yeah. maybe more right than I did yesterday. And if I mess up, I'll try again tomorrow. Right. I think half the battles to know you do have choices. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I can tell you when I get in a dark mood or something, that's the first thing to go. I, I can't the imagine awareness. that you've ever been. In the dark. <laughs> sheet to sheet. I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not often, though. <laughs> Believe me, she's definitely the better half of the relationship. <laughs> I never get impatient. Never. Yeah. <laughs> As an example. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, knowing you have a choice, even if you're not happy about it, is. I mean, profoundly impactful to just deciding you're going to have a life that's worth living is maybe the best way to put it. You know, it's interesting because even in, in your conversation, it, it seems to flow back and forth so naturally. I mean, you'll bring up your wife and, you know, go back to work and Chris Poirier and, you know, the ministry and then, you know, working together eventually. And even how you and Chris Bond, you know, ended up working together so, you know, in a totally different environment, just so interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot at Blue Water. The last, so I, before Blue Water, and I've been there 10 years, I think I said, but I'd never really been in one place any more than three. Mm. Um, you know, it had been three years at this place and then three years at the next and three years there. Um, and, and 10 years is really kind of neat, but um, there have been so many opportunities to do so many things. But even even inside Blue Water, the pendulum swings. There, there are times where, you know, we're we're driving the business, and then there are other times where the thing I'm asked to do is over there, like it's off off. Go go make that matter enough that the rest of us will look at it. And until you do that, good luck. We love you. We're going to focus here. Um, and 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 so the pendulum just sort of is always swinging. And regardless of where all the ebbs and flows are, in my better moments, and and as again, my wife will will try to remind me. I, I still have choice and, and an opportunity to choose how I will respond, which I think goes back again to Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena and whatnot. I mean, I can choose to fight even if I lose. I can choose to make the decision no matter how it turns out or or not. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes the people that are around you recognize that you're choosing that and, and, and without ever saying it, you get to have influence over them in that way because they recognize that your actions mm-hmm. choose them over someone else. Yeah. So do you have a nickname like Uncle Dave? 
at the uh, office or with um, <laughs> many many nicknames none of which i think none, of, none of them for, for airtime here it's kind of off a little bit but i was just wondering what somebody somebody came up with father time uh, oh. because of the <laughs> that was uh, uh yeah that was it um yeah no 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 nicknames, no nicknames. Um, and if, well. if you want to try to start one i reserve the right to to veto, I, I, ah. I veto okay so i'm going to go back just a minute to our part of our earlier conversation what kind of advice would you give to somebody if they are thinking about a career change or they're stagnating or you know god forbid they've lost their job i mean a lot of people are going through that and have gone through that like what would you say about those moments where change is being either sucking you in or thrust upon you and you know they're just thinking oh gosh mm-hmm. i've got to do something different in my professional life wow um i didn't know you were going to ask me that um so Surprise! yeah that's a good one Welcome um to my the answer podcast. yeah thanks um <laughs> my answer uh maybe is a little left field but um for me uh get a piece of paper and draw a giant t on it and and on the left side of the t um think about and write down literally write down what you believe your your skills are right write down the things that 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 you have wherever they came from doesn't matter education wise experience wise whatever natural gifts whatever. Natural, whatever okay on the other side put your objectives in other words what are the things that i wish i could be doing and it could be job could be activities could be the kinds of things whatever could it be like the future goals like well what do you mean? i mean it can or be or do you avoid but, that but but it can be it can be a specific job mm-hmm. it can be what the environment is like that i want to work inside of Ooh, good one um, yeah. it can be uh really anything i, I don't, I don't want to close it too much but right. just just if if these were the things you could achieve then you would feel really good it's about like the daydreaming things. side kind of okay kind of and and then and then kind of like in elementary school where you had to like match column A with column B, so mm-hmm. it was like A went with five, yes. and B went. Start start looking at what the skills are in the background and gifts are that you've been given that you have, and and where they might fit in those things. And and I think what you'll find is that all of the things on the left side of the T count, your your skills and gifts, fit with something on the right side mm. if there's something left over i would pay attention to that like see what that tells you i don't know but yeah. see what that tells you on either side and 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 follow that logical path and 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 we kind of joke about so what all the time but but if you have this environment that you really want to work in and you have these three things that lead you to be effective in such an environment then what does that tell you where does that lead and, yeah. and you know if, if hopefully you're faithful pray through it pray about that list pray about the things that happen um and if not you know it's certainly good to share that information with people that you trust um but but that to me that, that creating that sort of that list of of uh, that t account so to speak um which actually believe it or not was sort of the very first step in my consulting business when I had people, we, we, my company, my consulting company is called A2O LLC, A to, A to O Consulting. And it was assets to objectives. So you got nice. assets and objectives. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I was which gonna is say, exactly what you're It sounds like you've doing. done this before. Well, I was like, so it wasn't an orchestrated question by all means, but no. I'm like, wait a minute. You've done it for yourself or you've told other people. You definitely used this yeah. before in life. It's uh-huh. so cool because you're literally naming... 
mm-hmm. gifts, strengths, talents, education, whatever, as your assets, obviously, and then objectives, which could be something you as know, comfortable as the kind of environment you want to work in. But that's so cool. It would be really interesting to um, apply this in an interview process. Mm-hmm. That way, you, even if you identify someone who's just a great person, you're like, man, this would be a good hire, but I don't know where they fit. You'd find out where they fit. Yeah, that's By really how cool. they answer their own questions. Right. And if you have an objective that you don't have assets for, but it's a really important thing, like it's one of those critical kind of non-negotiable things that I really want, then that gives you direction. Go get go it. Go get schooling. Yes. Go, go do research. Mm, go have an experience. Yeah. Go yeah. do something that gets you to that thing. So that that helps in, in that way as well. But it's it's hard to be without. Um, I've been there. Um, and, and everybody can say, don't lose hope and, and all those things. And, and I, I guess I just have to, I guess the simplest thing is focus on one day at a time. What a cliche, but sometimes it becomes, but sometimes it becomes one hour at a time. Yep. Like, let me do from 10 to 11, right. And then if, when I'm and if oops, I didn't, I messed that up. All right. Now let me do from 11 to 12, right. Yeah. I mean, just make this choice. I agree more. Do you know, even when I get anxious, like too much on my to-do list. What am I doing? Or maybe there's a stressor, like a fire that happened. And I'm like, but I've got two more calls. I can't deal with that right now. And literally it's zoom. Just do the next thing. You cannot do anything else. Just do the next thing. And you're advocating for that kind of as a philosophy around, yeah, just move forward, making good choices as you're capable of. It's just a small fail. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. you know, talking about your oh, people have to fail to succeed, this, that, and the other. But all that is is just a little chunk. And a little, you see, so many people have the first half of their day be miserable, and they almost give up on it. They're checked out before lunch. And like you said, if you just set that next hour and go, oh, it's reset button. It's time to hit another another objective. Just make start another task you know reach in the say okay i'm done i'm not even messing with this anymore i'm gonna grab another task on the list and hit it and have a whole different you know view of it yes i love that you know it's interesting about this tea like thinking back um when we walked away from our oil and gas or our trucking company um it sent i mean he took a year off to get to know the boys again and all this other stuff but it sent me because i had to quote quote unquote back to work right you know from being the backside that's a weird way to put it of the entrepreneurial couple (laughs) (laughs) you know and like and and so at halloween right the horses yes exactly (laughs) now guess what i'm the horses (laughs) the back end of (laughs) so but you know but it when i had to go quote quote back to you know the corporate world and i had you know, just spinning, but I didn't know to write down. Like I knew you hear this, you know, skills and strengths and this, that, and the other. And I was writing that down, but I ended up writing down the companies that would be just dream, dream companies to work for. I didn't know what I'd do for them, but you know, like container store, you know, was one of the best companies to work for at the time. And you heard so many amazing things and, you know, conscientious capitalism. And I thought, wow, that would be a cool environment. And, you know, and each one had a weird different, sometimes it was beautiful office or God, I would just love to live right, work right down the street, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And it was about 30, 40 companies, but it's funny because it wasn't about the companies. It was about why I wanted to work there. 
And it did end up gearing me towards, you know, working in a marketing agency and and I mean, that was definitely a God light, you know, like, like lamp unto my feet that led me there. But it was very similar in exercise, even though I had no framework or rubric, your word, yeah. you know, around that. But um, so cool, because I'm like, I could totally vouch for that because I learned so much through asking the question, well, why, why do I care about that company? What, what is piquing my curiosity around that company? And that actually ended up in sort of a list like you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So, so, cool. so you didn't ask me anything. Uh, you didn't ask me a question about the ministry and how it started. But um, there's a very relevant tale in that um, Chris Poirier, before he came to Blue Water, and he should be here, but he's not. Hopefully he'll hear some of this. But he he was not happy in his current job. And he had seen me work with other people, help them start businesses and all that. And he thought, man, how great it would be to be my own boss and to grow a business that mattered. And so I took him through that process. And did you all know each other from church? Yeah, we've been friends from church. Where our families grew up, our kids grew up together. Oh, we've known wow. each other. Okay. He's been at Blue Water seven years, but yeah. we've known him. I've known him since 2004. Nice. Ish, yeah. Okay. Um, and so so he he listed all, like we tried so many different businesses for him and none of them fit, That none of them made sense. And then, and then I finally just step back and I'm like, forget, forget the asset side or your gift side of business. Like just what are the things you care about? Yeah. And he just started to list and he brought me, we used to meet, we met at like IHOP because it was the only time that would take away from, not take away from our families. And it was like one in the morning or 11 at night at an IHOP, like once a week we would meet because it just didn't take away. Um, and he brought it and I'm like, what you just wrote is a ministry. Oh. It's it's a like oh, wow. it's it's a passion for helping men like get back to the biblical God driven roles that they're supposed to take, and so so he oh he he came and then just gave me all this information and kind of like what I did with Alan and Ada O Consulting and, and the whole start of my business, I took all that and I built a curriculum out of it and then I sent it back to him. And I was like, how's this? So we, we started to go teach that stuff at like men's retreats and churches and stuff. And unfortunately, shame on us. It's been dormant for a number of years now. We have never gotten back to it. Um, and, and in fact, I have a second idea that, that you, I've gotten. How'd, you, oh, how'd nice. you fall out of it? Well, how um, did um, Chris, his name's Chris, right? Another Chris, yeah, Chris Poirier. How did he fall out of it since he was so dead? Well, we did it together. Okay. And, and, and then um, his business where he was became so overwhelming. He actually started to have some physical issues. Mm. He, yeah. He took, he took a trip to, to the UK and, and thought he was having a heart attack. Turned out to be just some, just stress related. So whatever. scary though. Oh, wow. and, and at that time, this is God working behind the scenes. I was asked to go start a sales team at blue water. And I'm like, I don't know if Chris could sell, but there's no one that I trust on the planet to care more about who he's selling to and our business and everything. And so I hired him. And and I and, and we worked on how to sell, and as we focused on Blue Water, that that ministry sort of faded a little bit. We just we we never um, really like this. This is this is this this band that I'm wearing. This this black band. We have a, just a few left. I made them find out how to order more. But we developed this sort of tool called Face It, um, which is a, a, a godly way of making your decision making like F A C E. Each letter is a is a part of the decision making process. Hey, now you're gonna have to tell us like what they stand for. Yeah, yeah. yeah if I can remember now, hold on. I was hoping you asked me. Um, it's it's forecast. 
um, uh, uh, like which is look at what all the potential possibilities are. Okay. Analyze, which is pros and cons of each one. Put Christ in the middle. Pray through the pro, the, the pros and cons nice. of each one of those things, and then and then through that praying. Whichever one floats to the top, like one of those is going to be just execute. Then go do it. Yes. Like get, oh, I don't, love don't just that. think about it, but go sounds do it. simple too. I know it's pretty but. simple. Oh, that's so, cool. Um, anyway, uh, we 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 put that together, but it, it faded. So we we just got mm. so busy, unfortunately, and and it took a lot to pursue churches to get them to bring us in, whether yeah. they paid us or not. We didn't even care. Um, some did, some didn't, but um, we we just got so focused on where we were that we dropped it. And we have said for years, man, we need to pick that back up. It's still good. It's still good curriculum. It's still relevant. Probably some of the movie clips that we put in there is kind of fun stuff. Um, maybe maybe aren't so they're probably better ones now. Update them, right, yeah. a little outdated maybe. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it it was really good curriculum, yeah. good stuff. That is amazing. Ah, oh, so cool, so cool. But I'll start with that T count, which is which yeah, are, which is sort of the, the the purpose. But it went the other way um, than what you were describing, which is we tried to find him a business and we ended up in a faith based in a ministry. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Crazy. I know. Well, Dave, I had wanted to dive into decision analytics today, but honestly, I think we just have to bring you back. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because there's so many stories behind decision analytics. One of my favorites, what is great. And so, yeah, I think we're just going to have to do a whole thing on actually not maybe just that one, but maybe a couple pieces of your curriculum. So we literally are just going to have you, instead of putting the storyteller yeah. you know, heart on, we'll ask you to put the professor cap back on this and go, all right, like, teacher. Find your passion and go oh, follow my gosh, it. Oh, I know. We thought I we were going to talk about one thing, and here we go. Oh, well, yeah. and I think, well, yeah. God breathes the direction yeah. that we need to talk to talk Don't about. Stop. So, Let you know, he knows yeah. who's going to be listening. So, okay, well, one final thing, especially since there was so much wealth out of that last question, just in general, 2021, right? You know, we're not even quite out of the pandemic. We are in a world of constant change. What kind of advice or encouragement or just, you know, what, what would you want the world to be or what do you want people to think on in a time like this? Man, um, you know, uh, just the first thing that comes to mind is is we need to stop operating out of fear. Um, mm. We have to we have to eliminate fear, and and you might not know where to go, but but let's not let's not choose the place to go that's being driven by fear. Yes. And so so what are the things before me that I would do if I wasn't afraid? Um, what are the choices that I could make if I had confidence that? I wouldn't get hurt or I wouldn't get sick or I wouldn't lose my job or I wouldn't whatever. Um, those, those to me. And, and along with that is sometimes to get rid of fear, you need to be around people who can, who, who can give you a little bit of confidence. It's okay to borrow, whether it's a, it's a loving wife or good friends or whoever that is, but, um, don't, don't be alone. Don't yes. be isolated, get it out of the dark and, and, and stop operating out of fear. Oh, so good. Okay, I do have to jump on that for a second, though, because I know that was just a drop the mic answer. However, (laughs) it's so good. I'm like, no, we needed to go a little bit deeper on that. So, okay, so with fear, it's sometimes sneaky, right? I mean, you even mentioned being hidden. And I realized I had this thought the other day where I realized a lot of times people's response when it's irritated or hostile is actually a fear response, right? But they are too fast. 
to process it? I mean, like, do you agree with that? Or like, how do people know when they are blindly in fear? Because I think that's one of the things that's so dangerous right now is that we're not naming it. And if you can't name it, you can't, you know, redeem it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how to answer that for everyone. I can only, I guess, answer that for me. But when, when, when I'm, when I'm in those moments, you know, alone at night, leaning on the sink, looking in the mirror, um, you, you know honestly what you're afraid of and what you're not afraid of. And, and you're the only one that knows if the choices you made and the reactions that you gave were, were out of some kind of anger or were actually out of a place of fear. Like, you know, you just, we have to, we have to somehow have discernment to recognize the source and then we have to be willing to listen and accept it when we do. Um, and those things are hard because we're conditioned to hide it. We're conditioned to leave it in the closet and never look at it. Um, and, and, and we don't want to be embarrassed and we don't want to have to backtrack. And so everybody puts on masks and they, and, they, and they cover it up. And the longer you keep that fear in isolation, the greater, the, the more your personal isolation will be mm. and, the, and the more it will separate you from everybody else. So I, I think it's reflection. And, and the only reflection that you can have is, I, I guess, really two ways now that I'm thinking. But it's it's in that quiet, and, it, and it's while you're praying and you're really trying to ask God to, to, to show you that, to help you understand the source of that. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that lives in you that whispers that it's so easy to not listen. It's so yeah. easy to just yes. put a lid on it and not hear it, but, but we need to hear it. So honesty, openness... And then, and then it takes a bunch of courage because even when we do those things, when you finally know what, that it is fear, then, then how do I live differently? Because we're so conditioned to live in fear. What does it look like to not live in fear? And the fact that you're talking about borrowing, you know, your word from others. Oh my gosh. You know, to think on the idea that courage is not done alone. Mm -hmm. Oh, profound. Like. Yeah, I can't. We need to end on that. Now drop the mic. I know that was definitely. These are on little stands. I mean, if I drop, I know. Them, <laughs> might go through the table. <laughs> well, Dave, how can people follow you, find you, yeah. if they want to connect with you? Yeah. Where should well, we tell know them? you work at Blue Water. Blue yeah. Water Learning. But um, are you active on yeah social <laughs> exactly. media? Uh, LinkedIn. I do LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn. you you know more about how they can find me than anybody else. Um, <laughs> and I will post it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. For so sure. I mean, certainly LinkedIn and and you know my emails, Dave at Blue Water Learning. Um, I don't know how many how many people watch this thing on a given whatever. We haven't even truly launched it you, yet. Um, oh, I know. You are yeah. one of our first, first. episodes. Yeah, oh, first top six. Yep, so we don't oh. launch until we get six in the can. Well, who are yep. the other ones? I need I need to understand the pecking it, order here. No, <laughs> it's just all over. Um, yeah. Well, you've already Markers. been invited back, so that's a good sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today. This has been amazing. It was fun. Thank you, too. Yep. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode of the Corporate Caffeine Podcast, please help us help you by subscribing. I also hope you'll find us on social media. You can follow me, Dacia Coffee, and my company, The Marketing Blender, by searching us on your favorite platform or checking out the show notes for the links. We bring this to you because we envision a business world full of meaning, connection, and prosperity for us all. Until next time, onward and upward.